Well, hello there. You're listening to the Steve Schramm Show. I want to thank you so much for deciding to take time out of your busy schedule to join us this morning as we talk about issues related to faith, apologetics. Today we're going to wade into some issues of culture as well and some, some pop culture things to look out for. And that's important too, not only for our Christian uh, living, for the development of our own Christian life, but also as we look to defend the faith to others. I want to remind you about the Creation Academy. It's now live, accepting enrollees for the all-access program at just $34 per month. Working on a new course to put out there on interpreting the Bible that should be available in the next month or so. And Man, we're just really excited about what God's doing over there. We've got two courses available now and the all-access program. Check it out, creationcourses.com. talk to you here in in this episode about pop culture, emotional appeals, and the leftist agenda. Pop culture, emotional appeals, and the leftist agenda. Now, I don't like to really get political necessarily on, on this show when at all possible, but the sheer reality of the fact is that one can only legislate on morality. In fact, the irony is you have those who say that you can't legislate morality when, in fact, that's actually all you really can legislate. If you are making laws as a government, all you can possibly do is legislate on what the government deems to be right and wrong. That is the project of politics, okay? So we have to consider that. Now, when it comes right down to it, sometimes these issues that that policies are created around are not those sorts of issues which make broader worldview kinds of claims or are based on the claims of a uh, broader worldview. Whether or not we drive on the right side of the road versus the left side of the road, frankly, is no concern of mine as it's no concern to Christianity. Okay? But you're still saying, even in that case, that it is wrong, it is unlawful to drive on the wrong side of the road. That is why you can get a ticket for it. So there's still a a moral point of view there. My, my, my point is that this is still legislating morality, but it's not something that's based on a larger worldview claim. Legislation that has to do with things like the value of lives such as abortion, infanticide, things of that nature. These are the kinds of things that do carry broader worldview implications and likely are based on broader worldview issues. And so these are the kinds of things that are very pertinent to the discussions that we have on this very podcast. We want to equip you because guess what? This is the world that we live in, right? Uh, we, we, we live in this world. We have to deal with the way things are right now. We deal with reality. This is why we don't live in the past. We don't necessarily spend all of our time talking about the good old days. And we don't spend all of our time praying, come Lord Jesus, come 
quickly. Of course, we want to honor, that's why we're conservatives, the, at least the majority of us listening to this podcast, I'm sure, are conservatives. We want to conserve what others have done and found to work in the past. We want to conserve that view. And, of course, we also, in a certain sense, are looking forward to the future. We're looking forward to eternity in heaven with Christ. We would love that uh, day. Well, I said in heaven, but in heaven on earth. You, you get what I'm saying. Eternity with Christ is what I'm after. Okay? So I am looking forward to that day when all things will be made new. All things will be restored. Praise God am I looking for that day. But we don't live in that day right now. At least on my view, we don't. And so that means that we have a job to do. Right now, right here, right now, we have a job to do in both defending the truth and living the truth as we've been told to do. And as we make our feeble attempt to do that, there are some things that we need to consider. So what I'm going to do for this particular episode is just kind of give you an illustration of a of a recent kind of show that I was watching and something that happened on there. And and actually this is a really unique episode because we're going to talk about multiple kinds of things that I'm involved in and I love it when a couple of my worlds collide. I think that's pretty cool. Now look at if if you're um maybe a parent and you, you know, like me, I mean, I have three boys and maybe as a parent, you're not as concerned with the bad ideas in pop culture as you ought to be. Then I want to speak to you because I think that a lot of times we worry about whether a show has profanity or maybe even mild nudity or or things like like when I say mild nudity I mean like you know if there's a lot of girls in bikinis on the beach or something like that we worry about these things that we can see and certainly uh you know with our kids watching and there's a place for that I'm not discounting that one one bit in fact we need to be very very careful uh, of of those things I think however what I'm more concerned with and this is an idea, I have to give the hat tip to Greg Kokel. this is the way he puts it, and I absolutely love it, is that it's it's more concerning, I think, the bad ideas that are on TV, on movies, etc. The, the bad ideas which are much more subtle and incidentally much more harmful in the long run than seeing a girl in a bikini, frankly, or even in hearing cuss words, okay? So what we want to do is is watch out for those ideas that creep in that can make people reject fundamental tenets of the Christian worldview or things that flow as a logical impulse, a logical natural result from having a Christian worldview. And then they begin to hold these views intention and this is where cognitive dissonance starts and one of these days they wake up or maybe somebody points out to them or whatever the case may be that they're living in cognitive dissonance they hold to views on one side that their broader worldview does not entail 
And when that happens, well, then you end up with a crossroads. The person must choose Christianity and end up rejecting a lot of the views that they hold. Or they reject Christianity and embrace the views that they hold. And since those views are constantly being shoved down their throat, frankly, by their peers, by pop culture, by everything else, well, we all know where that goes. Now, there are some people who find a way to hold some of those things in tension. And in a way, many of them are some of the popular Christian teachers that I just spent the last two episodes uh, speaking against. Of course, I didn't really name any of them, but I'm talking about those people who are caught up in relativistic, self-development, you-centered, you-first Christianity. When you get into that realm, this is the kind of people I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who embrace Christianity in spite of the broader worldview claims that they hold and have imported from other places, which are incompatible with Christianity, and they live with this cognitive dissonance. And in these cases, man, a lot of times you just end up seeing that eventually, eventually, they just end up rejecting Christianity altogether because they've given up uh, what it means to actually be a Christian in following Christ. So, uh, in any sense, that's a bit of a digression. But So maybe you're in that boat as a parent. You're somebody who isn't really as concerned as you should be with these bad ideas. Or maybe you're just an unsuspecting family member not aware of emotional appeals to a political agenda. I mean, if you're watching TV as a teenager, it's very unlikely. I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking back to myself as a teenager, okay? So don't think I'm stereotyping. I'm talking about myself, and I, I think that uh, uh, my peer group was probably, for the most part, the same way, and my bet is that yours is too. Maybe you're a teenager listening to this, and you're just not aware of emotional appeals to political agendas happening all around you. Well, I want to try to highlight a couple of those things as we go forward in today's episode. Now, there are a few things that I think have contributed to this. Some obstacles, maybe, that you've encountered that, that have really, to this point, no matter what boat you're in, maybe you're the teenager, maybe you're the parent, maybe you're just somebody else who is is trying to learn about these things to help other members of your family through it. I think there are a few obstacles that you have likely faced or been confronted with in, in some way that have helped you with uh, avoiding this issue, frankly, or just not really understanding it. Uh, they've, they've kept you from understanding it. Uh, it could be a lack of concern for spiritual matters, uh, especially for theological matters. So this is really just spiritual apathy. This creeps in a lot. Or maybe it's even spiritual blindness caused by appeals to fear or to emotion. Maybe you just haven't even thought through this. You haven't even wanted to deal with tougher issues like this because you know what it means to support tough issues, to be on the right side politically of tough issues in this day. Perhaps you know that, and so you've avoided. Well, don't avoid it any longer. Let's dive in. Dive in with me. Maybe you've got pressure with family members who don't see anything wrong. Can I tell you? They're part of the problem. They're part of the problem. 
So I just want to give you this, okay? I just want to, to help you to be aware for when you're watching these things. I'm not telling you to throw your TV in the garbage, so that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, you know, we got two or three of them in our house, so I, I get it, all right? You know, we like to we like to enjoy a good TV show every while, uh, every once in a while. And, uh, and, and frankly, because I have my guard up, I... Uh, am able to watch shows and and filter out through some of these bad ideas and I'm not necessarily saying that I recommend everybody do that but uh, I think a lot of people are just going to kind of do what they do anyway uh, frankly and so if you're going to do it anyway you might as well be equipped to actually recognize these things and deal with them when they come up if you have older kids you could even point these things out when they come up and say okay uh you know Johnny you know, Lola, whatever their names are, uh, you know, uh, what was wrong with what that person just did? And you know what is, is interesting is it may come after a time, like a scene in the show or the movie. Most people can pause their TV shows these days. Let's say it's a TV show. You may have to end up pausing a TV show after something that, most of the world would affirm as a good thing and say, okay, now what was wrong with that? And that's tough. That's tough, but it's doable. So let me talk to you about this. So in a very rare occurrence, I found the other night that two worlds of mine, marketing and apologetics, collided very, very heavily. So I want to give you a rundown of a recent TV episode that I watched of a show called For the People. Called For the People. Now, this is, you can imagine, a, a political show. Anyway, okay, it, it deals with some uh, New York district uh, attorneys and some of the workers with them there and they deal with these tough cases or whatever and these cases that come in and some of them are high profile some of them aren't etc and uh, for the most part uh, my wife and I really enjoy the show you know I work for I work for attorneys uh, they don't do the same kind of work but I do work for attorneys and so there's a, a you know a parallel there and, uh, and different things so we enjoy the show we like to watch it but I want to give you a marketing tactic that I found was going on recently in the show. The, uh, the last episode that, that aired was about immigration. I think the title of the episode was actually, This is America. This is America. And so the episode was about immigration. And you know, right, as you're watching these TV shows, you know that they capitalize all the time on hot-button issues. Surely, if you watch TV in 2019, you know that it's not very long after you see something on the news when you will see your favorite fictional TV characters dealing with the same kind of issue and... For some reason, they seem to always be dealing with it the way that the folks on CNN, etc., have suggested that it be dealt with. Okay, so I'm not going to spend any more time right there picking on anybody. But, you know, um, the leftist agenda is real in pop culture. It really is. You really start to see these things being reflected. Now, there is a, a book 
from the world of marketing. Now, I do marketing work on the, on the side here. So I work full-time, and I do this apologetics ministry. And then I also do marketing work on the side. I build websites, actually, and, and uh, give marketing coaching and training to folks who consider themselves to be coaches. So so I have some like Christian life coaches, marriage coaches, some executive coaches, uh, actually a law firm, an attorney coach. Uh, I have a health coach. So I, I, this is just the particular, uh, in the business world, they would call this niching down, right? So I, I serve a particular segment of the market with the kinds of services I offer. Uh, I could build websites for local HVAC companies or restaurants, but I don't. I build websites for coaches. That's just what I do. Okay, so I live in this world of marketing. I design websites. I do the coaching and everything I do with a marketing focus. So I study marketing quite a bit. Uh, I, I want to be prepared when I am working for a client to be able to get results for that client. Because if I don't get results for the client, I don't get hired by them. And they don't tell anybody about me. If they do tell anybody about me, what they say is bad. All right. And so it's not good. So um, I study marketing quite a bit. And there's a book out there, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. By the way, as far as marketing is concerned, it's a great book. It's it's scientific, right? I mean, it's it's backed by it's backed by research. But you have to be very very careful with marketing tactics because I mean, you can take them very far. Marketing tactics, frankly, are uh, in many cases they're psychological manipulators. Now. What you do with the now I'm not saying marketing is evil, so let, let me let me clarify that. Marketing is not evil. Marketing itself is amoral. Marketing itself is amoral. Sometimes people need to be persuaded by reasons. Does this sound familiar? To do something that is going to greatly improve their life, to make a decision to commit to something that is going to greatly improve their life. Marketing tactics used the right way can accomplish this. And it might cost them some money, but then they get the thing that they need legitimately to improve their life. By the way, I've often made this connection What is apologetics? Apologetics is persuading using evidence and reasons for somebody to commit to something at great cost to them. The Bible says the cost to them is their own life. At great cost to them to ultimately to make their life better because it's going to become what it was created to be. That is a son of Jesus Christ. So you understand that when we are using Arguments, logical arguments, by the way, are persuasive tactics. They are meant to incite persuasion in a person and give them reasons and evidence for why you think they should commit at the cost of their own life to something that will make their life ultimately what it was created to be. All right, so so, so understand the similarities there. 
Now, to extend the analogy, you could take somebody like, um, uh, let's just make it really practical. We could look at something like Greg Kokel's tactics program. This is maybe something, if you've been through that, I'm pretty sure most people who listen to this podcast are going to be familiar with Greg Kokel. So, Uh, If you've ever used his tactics program, you understand that he recommends a series of questions in order to get down to the bottom of what an unbeliever believes. What do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? And have you ever considered this alternative option? Well, he's actually been recently going through Peter Bogosian's book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, all about street epistemology, which he, which Greg Kokel has admitted, is kind of like a tactics for atheists. There are some very similar tactics in there. Does that mean the tactic itself is wrong because somebody else is using them to create atheists? See, this is where we make the distinction. In much the same way that psychological indicators in marketing are amoral and could be used either for right or for wrong reasons, we have the same issue here in apologetics. We can use tactics which are amoral to help us um, uh, persuade people for good reasons, right reasons, or for bad reasons or wrong reasons. Okay. So it's the same kind of thing. So I just wanted to kind of head that off at the pass for you so you understood. Marketing is not evil. Marketing is not a bad thing. But when people market with bad intentions, or even if they have good intentions, but they're marketing a counterfeit product, then we have a problem. What folks in the scenario that I'm getting ready to describe to you, they they were not marketing a Uh, They were not marketing bad intentions, but they were marketing a counterfeit product. They were marketing a counterfeit product. So um, I started to mention that this particular episode of For the People was all about immigration. It was about illegal immigration. It was about a um, gentleman who uh, I I do believe he had committed some sort of, of crime And they were talking about, or it it could have just been that he was an illegal alien, okay? And I think, in fact, I think that's what it was. It was a case where he was an illegal alien and he had a son. And what do you know, ICE came in, arrested the dad. The son was left with the court. Some nice lady, the receptionist lady who had been at the court in New York for, you know, 30 or 40 years, whatever the case may be, she kept the kid in her possession. Uh, Ice tried to come and take the kid. Of course, they were already separated. The dad was out in Arizona or something like that. And so you kind of get the picture here. We've got this parental separation immigration story. At the end of the story, it turned out they were able to get the mom and the dad, or excuse me, the dad and the son back together. They were all each other had. There were no other siblings. Wife wasn't in the picture. Mom wasn't in the picture. I think she passed away about a year earlier in the story. So we've got this picture painted for us. Uh, This, of course, very, very emotional picture. Now, there's an implicit assumption in there, and before I get to the more explicit, there's an implicit assumption in there, okay, uh, that is a very common 
assumption slash misconception that floats around in political circles today, and that is that conservatives, or even people, if I could go this far, who voted for Donald Trump, don't think that it's wrong that parents be separated from their children. Hello, there's not a parent in America who holds that view. Parents should not be separated from their children when at all possible. I think we all agree on this. When at all possible, yes, children and parents should be kept together. But there may be circumstances that make that impossible. And by the way, it sure doesn't help anything if you broke the law by not coming into this pro- uh, this company, or the, excuse me, this country, through the due process which was established and set up by folks to come in. Okay? And that leads me right to the more specific. So there is this very powerful scene, this very, very emotional scene, in which this lady who took this this boy in while they were getting this whole thing figured out is having a conversation with another gentleman, and by the way, this this woman it was a was a minor uh, woman, and uh, so she was a African American woman. Okay, and this gentleman, I'm not sure of what his actual uh, nationality was. Okay, but he would be considered a minor as well. I believe he's probably Spanish of some sort. Okay, he. Um, and her were having this conversation. And of course, he was talking about how his family were immigrants. And uh, of course, she was talking about her, uh, her heritage as, as, as an immigrant and this, that, and the other thing. And they're going back and forth and talking about the injustice that is being served in this particular situation. And it's an obvious, obvious affront. The affront itself is obvious to the recent political things going on. But the language that was used, and I wish I could have wrote it down, though the affront was obvious on the current political things that were going on, the appeals that were being made were to the identity of the people who make up America. Let me say that again. They were to the identity of the people who make up this great country. America. There was an appeal to make the person find solidarity with these folks who are being separated from their children. Now, here's the problem. Now, yes, like I've already mentioned, we, even as conservatives, we don't want to see children separated from their parents. Why would we ever want to see that? That's not our view. That's terrible. In, in, in a general sense, all right? Now, I mean, if there's something where there's an abusive parent or something, yeah, okay, I'm speaking generally. Generally speaking, it is more preferable for a child to be with his or her parents than not, okay? We all agree on that. But there was no mention in this whole entire thing. No mention in this tirade that she went on, this emotional tirade that appealed to the identity of the people who make up this great nation. There was no appeal to the fact that we have laws. That all of those people that, they're, that they were presumably talking about, this guy and his, his family and this lady and her family, they came in via immigration laws that our country had set up and established. They followed 
the due process that was put in place. This country is built on laws that govern it, that protect it from problems that arise as a result of them not being followed. So there was a marketing tactic in place here, and it's called an appeal to identity. Appeal to identity. And Chip and Dan Heath in their book Made to Stick, they they talk about these kind of things. It's an emotional appeal, uh, and there is an appeal to identity. Now, I actually took the language I'm going to give you here from uh, a review of the book uh, by somebody who goes by Engineer Guy online. So you can Google that, and I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes to the Engineer Guy review where he discusses this marketing tactic called appealing to identity. So I'm going to read you the engineer guy's thoughts uh, in this review of Made to Stick. I'm going to read this for you verbatim, and then we'll talk about it a little bit and move on. Appealing to identity. Quote, In defining self-interest, it pays to not focus narrowly on money and other tangibles, Often intangibles, such as self-esteem or a sense of duty, form an important motivator. Often people make a decision not in a rational way, write down all alternatives and look at pluses and minuses. But instead they make them based on identity. They ask questions like, get this, who am I? What kind of situation is this? And what do people like me do in this type of situation? For example, a seller once offered a free popcorn popper to fire departments to consider his safety program. The appeal to greed offended the fireman. Close quote. So, um, and he carries on with that analogy, but suffice it to say, did you get what he said? People don't usually look at decisions and make decisions in a logical, rational way. They ask questions like, who am I? What kind of situation is this? And what do people like me do in this type of situation? Now, if we think about the immigration story, what would the logical thing to be to have done there? Well, we could sit down and we could talk about the situation. We could have dissected, right, every word that that lady said. That They could have had a more rational conversation about the plus and minuses. They could have said, well, you know, it's really unfortunate that kids are being... Uh, separated and uh, let's see is there a reason not just because of enforcement of a, a law by people of course ice by the way in this were painted to be extreme bad guys okay they were they were painted this way in in the portrait on the show all right but, but maybe they could have sat down it's so, okay. Does anybody in this situation actually want these two to be separated? Uh, well, how did our family come in? Well, our families came in by these laws of immigration laws, and this guy's family did not. So he he broke a law, etc., etc., etc. We could keep on talking about this, but no. But that's not what they did. Because had they done that, they likely would have came to completely different conclusions if they had thought through it logically and rationally writing down the all alternatives looking at the pluses and the minuses of the situation and thinking through it clearly and logically but they know that an appeal to that doesn't lead in their direction they know that people make decisions based on identity so how did they spin it they made you think about the kind of person that you were 
about the kind of situation that it was. A parent being separated from their child. What could be more egregious than that? And what do people like you, like me, what do we do in this situation? You see this strong emotional appeal in there. Now, uh, of course, this same kind of thing could be done from a Christian context, right? And we could have made the case that all lives are valuable, but also in a Christian context, we are to follow the laws that are set forth by those people who God puts in charge of kingdoms, to use a biblical word, and nations. God appoints those. God is in charge of those. Everybody is subject to God, whether or not they think they are. And so while we have what is obviously in a front uh, to the conservative position on a uh, on a hot button political issue, we have a more subtle appeal to identity that makes folks question whether or not the other things they hold about their conservative views, where they get their conservative views from. We have something that makes them question that because right now the conservative uh, consensus is that these things which are in place, including enforcement from ICE, etc., these things which often result in the separation of children from their parents are not bad. Now, we don't want the children to be separated from their parents, but we have a, a, a in most cases, we have a moral grounding, a reason for why the things that may lead to that are justified. So that is the difference. I just want you to be aware of that. Now, this kind of thing happens all the time in pop culture. And this is the kind of thing that can be subtle. These marketing tactics, they happen all the time. And there's not just this one. Appealing to identity is just one of them. The book Made to Stick that is linked in the show notes has six of uh, six broader overall points. This appealing to identity was just one subset of appealing to self-interest, which was just one subset of the larger point of appealing of appealing to emotion, emotional appeals, okay? So this guy that we talked about was nested two levels down. And there are a lot more. And from a marketing perspective, it's a great book, let me tell you. And if you have got good intentions and you have got good reasons for the things that you do and for trying to persuade, it is a great book. You should uh, read it if you're interested in marketing, but I'm going to recommend that you read it anyway. But by, by the way, let me give you something else. Greg Kokel himself, if you Google Made to Stick and STR, you're going to find a recommendation from Greg Kokel. Listen to me. All right, let me give you something. All right, how many of you have heard this phrase, never read a Bible verse? Never read a Bible verse. That's one of Greg Kokel's signature phrases. I guarantee you he came up with that by taking advice from the book Made to Stick. Or if he didn't, it, it's something that would come directly from it and uh, uh, or align directly with it. And he has recommended the book Made to Stick for new and upcoming apologists because it's so helpful to help get clear on your ideas and market them to people for people to listen to you. But there are six tech boxes that somebody trying to make their uh, their thoughts or their ideas sticky that somebody's going to try to check. The more of them you can check, the more sticky, quote-unquote, your idea is. Simple, unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional, or story-based. 
So what's something like never read a Bible verse? Well, it's simple. It's simple instruction, but it's also extremely unexpected. So it checks two of the boxes, and most things are only going to check. I mean, if something checks four boxes, it's a really sticky idea. But if it checks between one and three, you're doing very, very good as well. Uh, so for something to not be sticky at all is far worse than just for even one thing. So uh, this is a sticky idea. Never read a Bible verse. It's unexpected. It makes you think, yet it is so simple. When it comes down to it, it strips it down to the core idea. So these are two boxes overall that would be checked on something if you were trying to make it sticky, for example. So all of that to say that the marketing tactics themselves are not bad, but the motivators behind them and the ideas that they're trying to persuade you to, if those ideas themselves are not based in evidence and reason and can't be reasoned to rationally, then we really need to be careful with it. Andrew Fletcher said this, Let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Let me repeat that again. Andrew Fletcher, I believe he was 17th and 17th, 18th century. A, a, a political kind of guy, influencer activist let me make the songs of a nation and i care not who writes its laws man what a sobering sobering kind of thought you get it of course that the power there of pop culture to persuade this world is far more influential than obeying the laws that a nation tries to enforce. After all, is it not in our DNA almost to break laws? We sin every day, don't we? What about the phrase, rules were meant to be broken? You see, this is the mindset that most people have ultimately. But when that self-identity gets appealed to, or those other emotional factors get appealed to, all bets are off. All bets are off because people want to identify with what they deem to be right, even if what they deem to be right is, in a sense, wrong. Let me give you three ways to guard against this sort of indoctrination just very quickly, and then we're closing it up for today. Number one, spend regular deep time in God's Word. Let me say this again. Spend regular deep time in God's Word. Think very carefully through what you read. Don't just skim through. As a matter of fact, I've even stopped recommending on a regular basis reading the Bible through in a year. Reading the Bible through in a year. I think it's a worthy goal, but I actually think in order to do that, you have to read faster unless you just have a ton of time. If you're a regular guy like me who works and has a family and has a lot of other things going on as well, I don't think you have time to read as carefully, slowly, as deeply as you need to and get it all done in a year. I just don't. I think it's more of a two to three year enterprise to, 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 to do that. Okay, so regular but deep time in God's Word. Draw lines, make connections, write in cross-references, write down thoughts, ideas, get you a journal Bible, a Bible with lots of wide margins that you can write in. Also, talk to your family and set boundaries. 
so uh, the first one is obvious, right? Because you you want to know what God's word actually teaches, and I'll actually link you to a post I wrote on that. Uh, that the the single biggest concern of apologetics is understanding what the Bible actually teaches, because without that, everything else falls apart. If you don't know that where the Bible stands, what the biblical position is on these popular social justice issues that are that are promulgated to the masses on a daily basis then you are not going to understand how to respond in these situations. So you need to do that so you understand what the Bible actually talks about on these issues. And then you need to talk to your family and set boundaries. You, if you are the leader of the household, you need to have boundaries. You need to be on the lookout for shows that constantly have bad ideas. You need to decide if you are going to be the one responsible for talking through those bad ideas or if the responsibility that you take means tossing the TV into the front yard. You know, I don't know. I think you have to deal with that and you have to pray about that. I am not going to legislate that for you. But what I am going to say is that boundaries need to be set somewhere and you need to figure out where they are. And then third and finally, be mindful of falling into victim mentality. Now, this might sound like a weird suggestion, all right? But this is oftentimes nefarious marketing makes its strongest appeals. One psychologist says, that most arguments are lost because the person, either side, is trying to race faster than the other to get into the victim position. Everybody wants to feel victimized because it gives them attention. Everybody wants to feel like they've won the argument. Everybody wants to feel like they have overcome. They identify with the rest of the crowd. Everybody feels and wants to feel like a victim sometimes and do your best to avoid falling into this trap because victim mentality leaves you extremely vulnerable to outside influence when you're not thinking clearly so watch out for that watch out for victim mentality Talk to your family and set boundaries and of course spend regular deep time in God's word and I think taking those three steps you can guard against the sort of indoctrination that's taking place in our culture today. You can't prevent it, but you can guard against it within the four walls of your home. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. I want to come to you this morning with thanks and thanksgiving, Lord, for just being God. God, for giving us life, for sending your son to die on a cross, Lord, for for giving us your word, giving us your world, Lord, to bask in, to glory in. And uh, God, we're so thankful that we can give you the highest honor, highest praise, and highest glory on a daily basis. And Lord, we pray that you would work in us, you'd give us what we need to be able to do that, to share your light, share your life, Lord, with others in this dark world that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone. Well, hey, I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us here on the Steve Schramm Show. And uh, again, I, I know these things are tough. These issues are tough. They're tough to deal with. They're tough to think about. They're tough to talk about. But never fear, man. I'm telling you, God's not given us that spirit of fear. He's given us uh, power and, and love and uh, a sound mind to be able to think through these things. And so we, we need to deal with these things as they come 
and help protect our families. Speaking of protecting your families, don't forget if you guys are looking for more uh, education around creation science, around the theology and interpreting the Bible and things like that, I encourage you to head over to creationcourses.com and get enrolled for the Creation Academy. You can actually enroll without even signing up for a course uh, if you want to. And, uh, and just uh, keep a lookout for when new courses come out because we make those announcements via email. So go over there, uh, get enrolled in the course, if nothing else, and we can uh, stay in touch with you that way. Right now, the Creation All Access program is open. It is open. It's just $34 a month to join Creation All Access. I don't know exactly when that uh, that date is going to, uh, or when that price, when that offer is going to go down, but it is going to go down. We're going to um, take it down so we can fo- focus on our first round of all-access students. So I encourage you to hurry up, jump in there. Uh, I'm bringing on another guy probably in the next week or two to help with the course creation as well, to create courses as well. So I'll be making that introduction uh, as soon as we get that all ironed out and all those details. But I encourage you to, to jump on over there and start checking out the courses that we're making available at creationcourses.com. While we're building that library, go ahead and jump on in for just $34 a month to the all-access program so you can get all current and future courses for that same monthly price. All right. God bless y'all. We'll uh, holler at you guys next week.